0: Well, hopefully you've turned to Titus chapter 3 by now, Titus chapter 3, <clears throat> and Paul starts out in Titus chapter 3, and he, and he tells them, he says, remind them, remind them. He, uh, so he has some closing reminders. As I said, we all need reminders. Uh, sometimes, how many of you use your phone as your primary source of reminders? Like I just, like I have to put everything in my phone. When I was younger, I had a, like I had an internal phone book. On an internal calendar, but it doesn't work anymore. Like something happened to it. I can't remember anything anymore. So I have to put everything in my phone, and then I have to, like, but then my phone has to remind me, like an hour before, and I have to open my phone every day, like check through. Did I miss anything? Did I, I, like, it's so important that that's, I mean, that's how I have to kind of run my life. I need reminders. We all need reminders. And it's like when a parent leaves They're children with the babysitter. We often give them reminders. Now, behave, right? I mean, that's the primary one. Now, you got to listen. Or, you know, if if you're an employer and you're going to leave for the day for a week, you have employees, you give them reminders. Here's the things that I need you to do. Here's the things I need you to take care of. them. Paul is going to remind them of some things today and next week. he's going to remind them of some things that they need to remember. Now, if you remember through Titus... The majority of this is, Paul is talking about that our our behavior should match our beliefs. Behavior matches our beliefs. So he's going to really dive into that again today. He says, remind them of some things. And so let's read the passage for today. Titus 3, verse 1 through 8. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that, who, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to be able to gather together today as your church. To see your kingdom expand. God, we desire that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. We believe that you are our Father. You are high and exalted and lifted up. And hallowed and holy is your name. God, we need your spirit to guide and to direct us, to empower us, to convict us of sin. So, holy Spirit, we ask that you would just be here in a very tangible way this morning. God, we thank you for your word, that it is sufficient, that it is authoritative that it alone has the words of life and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for each and every person here this morning that you would meet them where they are in the way that they need ministered to today. In Christ's name, amen. Closing reminders, point number one. uh, Remember to submit to authorities uh, right out of the gate. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient now. Immediately, like, we are a rebellious people. I mean, like, that's how America, honestly, America was founded on what? Rebellion. A bit of rebellion. Like, like that is within our, our hearts. Like, we, we we don't, like, when we hear that word, be submissive to authorities and rulers, like, how many of you immediately, there's something that wells up within you, and you immediately begin to think of the exceptions. But not in this case, and not in that case, and not that person, or that uh, you know, like, especially when you think of politicians, right? I mean, if you immediately think of politicians, and you're like, well, not that one. Uh, we do. I do. I'm going to be honest. Like, like, it just, like, even when when you pull into a parking lot somewhere, and there's car parkers. And that immediately, I'll park where I want to park, right? You know? And, like, I'll stop when I want to stop. And they're, like, keep waving you forward, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm ready to stop now. But that's just me. There's something within me that, that I just, like. Anybody else? Uh, all of us, right? Like we just, we, but he says this word submissive, submit to authority. Submissive means to come under, to obey, to come under their orders. Now you need to understand who the governing authorities were when Paul wrote this. The emperor was Nero. Wicked, 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 depraved man. Sick, demented. At his parties, it was known that he would coat Christians in pitch and then light them on fire alive to light his parties. And for sport, he would kill Christians. He was a barbaric, horrible person. But Paul says, remind them. It reminds me of a passage in First Peter. First Peter, um, Peter writing to the church. He has some reminders of this as well. First Peter 2, uh, verse 13. Be subject, that's, be submissive, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to Emperor Supreme, that would have been Nero, or to governors, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as a of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Now, as Christians, especially as the majority of us, I would assume, are conservative Christians, we have a, like we have a president, who that we probably don't particularly agree with his worldview or his policies. I get it, um, promoting I believe a very ungodly agenda. But God would, if we fear Him, have us honor Him and respect His position. Doesn't mean we. Re- Respect him, his, his worldview, his policies. It doesn't mean that we don't pray against, that we don't vote against, but there is a, there is a from believers, there should be a respect of the office. Does that make sense? Like, things like, and, and <laughs> come on, we can, I, it's church, we can lighten up a little bit though, but like, let's go, Brandon. I know it's funny, but then we often take it too far, right? And then we, there's stickers and posters flying around with FJB, you know? It's like, we all like, I can't believe you said it on Sunday morning. Come on. Let's be adults. You see what I'm saying? Like, as Christians, we sometimes, I see within my own heart, that I allow sarcasm and things to creep in that maybe aren't godly. Be subject, honor the emperor, respect the office. Romans 13, a passage that speaks to this a lot. Romans 13, starting right away in verse 1, the Apostle Paul talks again to us about honoring government and authority. Romans 13, let every person be subject to the government authorities for their There is no authority except from God. Now that, did you hear that? There is no authority except from God. When we look at corrupt, immoral, ungodly leaders, we must understand the only way they got there is through the hand of God. Sometimes God allows those corrupt, immoral, unbiblical leaders in the position to bring judgment. I think, honestly, God's judgment is being played out in our nation by some of the ungodly leaders that he's allowed to be in positions of influence and power. You're like, when is God going to judge our country? He is. He is. Look at the policies and the things that we're doing with money. Uh, you, You don't think that's judgment? What is being stored up? But yet God says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Even through the tyranny of Nero, Paul didn't make exceptions. We are to honor, to respect. Acts 5.29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. So when government, when authorities ask us to do things that would cause us to be disobedient to God, then we we don't listen to the authorities, right? We obey God rather than man. Now, we just came through a pandemic, which caused some complexities to this, right? It did. It caused complexities. And people came out at different places on it. Okay, where must I obey God? And where does the government's authority and rights to impose into my life stop? And where do they begin to cause me to be disobedient to the Lord? And then what it actually is laws of the land and what's just someone's wishes. Like it was complex. I get it. it was com- I don't think it was as complex as we made it. I think what happened is we weren't as gracious to one another's different convictions as we could have or should have been. Does that make sense? I think we could have been more gracious. It's one of the things that I wish that I, I don't believe that during that season, that pandemic, I don't regret any decisions that I made in leadership, I regret my tone at times. Does that make sense? I regret my tone. I regret the critical way that maybe I would speak about things in regards to how I disagreed with people. Because, you know, one of the things that I've learned from that, COVID came and left. I mean... They're like, no, it's still around. I know, but like the impact, it's come and gone. But the way people treated each other and the way we've reacted, and the way we handled it, is here to stay. Does it make sense? And so he says here, like it's very clear, remind them to submit to authorities. Remind them. Now, I believe as well that we need godly men and women in government, and we should be praying for them they have a thankless job we need godly men we need godly women in government in the court systems but the hope of any people is not our government it's not lit- it's not legislation it's the gospel of jesus christ it's heart change you can't legislate heart change and if the hearts of the people are far from god it doesn't matter what the laws of the land are Paul said in, or Peter said in 1 Peter to fear the Lord and submit to authorities. It's for the benefit of our society. Now, again, this is a hard thing to walk out. Like, uh, exactly what does that mean? Uh, submit to the authorities. And so, yeah, like I, honestly, I, I it's maybe my own guilty conscience, but every time I drive past a speed limit sign and I'm like, I'm not really submitting to the authorities, are I? Because I'm constantly checking crossovers, like make sure that they're not sitting there. I'm just being honest, right? Okay? I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just like, I'm no different than the rest of y'all. And so where does this, like, we need to check our hearts, see? But Paul's like, remind them to submit to authorities, number two. Remember... Proper behavior. Remember to submit to authorities. Remember proper behavior. Now back to verse 1. He said, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready for every good work. Verse 2. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Remember, remember proper behavior. Proper behavior Speak evil of no one, of no one. Now, when I come back to what I was just talking about, respecting and submitting to our authorities, that would also apply there, speak evil of no one. So how do we oppose people who are in positions of power, who are are pushing laws and legislation that is ungodly, Unbiblical, but yet speak evil of no one. It comes back to the heart, see? What is my intent for speaking? Speak evil, proper behavior. Hey, start out, speak evil of no one. Speak evil, uh, in the NASB, it says, don't malign anybody. I think it's a New King James, it says, don't slander. Uh, speak evil of no one, it means don't slander, don't malign people. Now, this is convicting. But it just means to speak against someone with the intent to harm their reputation. Don't do that. But if we're honest with ourselves, we do that. We do. We do. We we don't do it. He says, "Don't harm another. If you speak in a way that harms another person's reputation, that qualifies as slander." That qualifies as maligning them. That qualifies as speaking evil against them. I think this is particularly a problem in small town communities. Small towns are a great place to raise a family, but they are vicious. Stuff flies like, it's crazy. Uh, Rumors just, and, and and. that it only continues because there's willing ears to hear. Speaking ill of evil of someone. We often do this as a means of trying to protect ourselves. we we'll speak evil of someone because we need to do this to protect ourselves. It's a desire to elevate yourself above someone else. So the only way we can do that sometimes is actually pull them down. So that way we can be above them. It's not even that we want to elevate ourselves. We just want them pulled down below we, where we are. Don't build your case and run others down to other people. Verse 2, he goes on and he says, avoid quarreling. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Avoid, just don't be an argumentative person. Like, like there, there are some people, have you ever met the person This doesn't matter what you talk about, they're going to play the devil's advocate? Like it's always like, well, wouldn't you see it from some other position, like we don't really care, you know, it's, they're just argumentative. They just quarrel about everything. I mean, this being, like avoid quarreling, it means to be peaceable. Some translations say that. Be peaceable. This means that we must be people who are hard to offend. Proper behavior. Be peaceable. Uh, This means that we won't offend easily. He goes on, he says, to be gentle. This is, the Greek word has the nuance of forbearance. Be gentle, be patient. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Patience, gentleness, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Remember proper behavior. It's just reminding us. Be gentle. You need to be gentle. He goes on, he says, show perfect courtesy. He's reminding us. We need reminded of these things sometimes. Uh, we should be courteous. Show perfect courtesy. Now, what is that? Show perfect courtesy. Again, it, it's, it's putting others before ourselves. It's, and I, I, was, I took several road trips this week with my oldest daughter, and she said to me at one point, Dad, when you drive, you're so aggressive and I, and then I realized I'm supposed to show perfect courtesy. And like I was leaving the giant center, and you know, when everyone's trying to leave at the same time, and like you're waiting in traffic, but like I don't want to wait. And so I just like shoved my way out there. just I just you just go, right? But I'm not showing perfect. it's me before them. I, I, come on, right? That's what it is. I, I'm just being honest. It's show partiality. Put others before ourselves. It's being considerate of others. Proper behavior. Proper behavior. Remember that. Just super simple reminders. Remember, remember to don't speak evil of someone else. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. Don't quarrel. Be gentle. Be courteous. Point number three. We need to remember who we are or who we were. We need to remember who we were. Verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Got to remember who we were before Christ saved us. We, ourselves, Paul's including himself in this. I love this. He's including himself right in this. He said, we, 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 we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray by various passions, hating, reviling one another. That's who we were. We need to remember what God has saved us from. Foolish. We were once foolish. What does it mean to be foolish? Without understanding. It's without understanding. There was a time where we had no understanding. Foolish. It means it's the idea of being, in this context, of being stubborn or being abstinent. Just stubborn. Digging your heels in. And the reality is, so often when we reject God's moral law, that's what we're doing. We're We're being foolish. We're being stubborn. We're digging our heels in. We're rejecting God's authority. We're rejecting his law for our lives. And he says, we were once foolish. But see, that is what Paul said the world would think that it is. They will think that in its wisdom, in their folly, they actually think they're being wise. Romans 1 verse 21, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were dark and claiming to be wise, they became fools. And culture and society today and so much of things that we see happening are being perpetuated in the institutions of higher learning that claims to be wisdom is actually just foolishness. It's just foolishness. He goes on. He says, you were once disobedient. Disobedient. Again, we know what that is. It's not hard. It's, just, it's a rejection of God's ways. It's a willful defiance of God's ways. It's a rejection of God's immoral law. He goes on. He says, you were led astray. This is who you were. Okay, You were foolish, disobedient, led astray. That's deceived by various passions pleasures, passing your days in malice and envy, all of these things, slaves to various passions, just slaves to addictions, to materialism. See, God's word says in 1 Timothy that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. That's true, right? But when good things become God things, it's a bad thing. When good things that God has given us, even material things, when they become a God in our life, we're led astray by various passions and pleasures, even good things. Remember who we were. you got to remember. We have to remember, it says, passing our days in, in malice. This is feelings of strong dislike with the possibility of doing harm. This is what causes us to slander others, to speak evil of them. When we have malice in our hearts. This is who we were. This is not who we are to be. I think we triggered Siri. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, um, it's the button on the top left. You just push out, it goes quiet. <laughs> the joys of technology, isn't it? be careful what's on your phone because that could get really embarrassing. <laughs> it was just the ESV Bible app. That's a blessing. Could have been something else about it, Bucky. It says, we slaves to various passions, passing our days in malice. Again, this is a strong dislike. It's a, it's a willingness to spread harmful rumors. It's a willingness to even spend to spread Partial truths. You know what is the most damaging? The most damaging kind of slander and gossip is things that are partial truths. There's a bit of truth in it, but it's not all the truth. Paul's like, don't do that. He goes on, he says, envy. You were envious. Now, let's be honest. How many of you, when you see this as who you were and you start seeing these things, you used to be envious, you used to have malice in your heart, you, and you also realize, but, but I still see some of that in my own life. I, I still see some of that in my own life. Envy. Envy is a work of the flesh. It's listed in Galatians. as a work of the flesh. Right along with murder, with orgies, with adultery. Envy is listed as a work of the flesh, a sin of the flesh, the same as all these other immoral sins. But how many of us still to this day struggle with those things? Envy. We're envious of other people. We're envious of their position, of their relationship. We're envious of their uh, possessions. Like envy still creeps in. Now envy, at the heart of envy, is jealousy. Jealousy. Remember, he's reminding us things to avoid here now. He's telling us what proper behavior is. In James chapter 4, I'm sorry, James chapter 3, there's a passage that I think is very important for us. James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. I I want you to hear what he just said. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Jealousy and envy is a work of the devil. It, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That's a promise. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So envy was part of us. Envy and jealousy. See, this jealousy is the root of it's envy. It's all the same thing. And what happens so often is when we are envious of others. We envy their position. We envy their influence. We envy. So instead of trying. So we malign them. Because we want to tear them down. Like we're jealous of where they are. But we don't want to get to where they are. So we're envious and we just tear them down. We malign them. So they're below where we are. That's demonic. It's not of God. He goes on and he says that you will hate, or that they hated and were hating others. You know, Mark chapter 15, I believe it is, it says that Pilate knew that the Jewish leaders had handed Jesus over to be arrested because they were envious of him. This is a very harmful thing in the church. Hatred and self-centeredness, then he goes on. This is who you were. This is who you, you've got to remember who you were. You hated by others and hating one another. It's the same as being a murderer. Some maybe be, and Jesus, Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're what? You're a murderer. And some of you may, I think some of us, especially those of us who were raised in the church our whole lives, and like we became Christians at a young age. And we've never really lived as a pagan. Right? We don't identify. We think, well, that's not really me because that wasn't me. Two things I would say about that. One is, if that's your story, that is just a sign of the grace of God on your life. That's all. God's grace, he spared you of that. You were raised in a Christian home. You came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at a young age. And you walked with him all the days of your life. That's a beautiful testimony. Some people say, I don't really have a great testimony. That's the best testimony. I became a Christian at four or five years of age, and I walked with the Lord all the days of my life. I never doubted, and I just walked with him. That's a powerful testimony. Just as powerful as the person who was saved out of, like, debauchery. And so sometimes those of us who were raised in the church and never really had a season where we were really way off the rails we don't identify but here's what i would say if that is your story this is just a sign of god's grace in your life but number two jesus said if you hate someone in your heart you're a murderer if you lust after someone you're an adulterer it's the heart the ten commandments say do not lie We have all lied. Do not steal. In some sense, we have all stolen something. I'd be hard pressed to believe that we're not all adulterers of the heart in some way. Do you see? Like what? Do you see your condition before holy God? We're all in the same place, and we all know that lurking just below the surface are these sin tendencies. Envy. Bible says, Thou shalt not covet. Listed right along with, Thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not covet. But we covet. There we go again. Is it the same phone? It is. <laughs> Bible says, Don't covet. But how many of us have not coveted? How many of us have not been envious or jealous? Over and over. Like, he's, remember proper behavior. Now, not everyone displays the same measure of depravity as someone else, but we've all lied. We've all dishonored our parents. See, what, see what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, if you're like, well, I don't identify that with that. That's not who I was. No, no, it is who you were. It is who you were. And in some degree, it's who we are. Because we're still in sin, we're saved from the penalty of sin, now we're being free from the power of sin, but one day we'll be free from the presence of sin when Christ returns or He calls us home. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Paul needed to remind us of who we were, and in some regard, he needed to remind us of who we are. And why we desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. And why we need the mercy of God and the grace of God to be new every day. Why why also did Paul need to remind us of this? So that way when people slander us or malign us or hurt us, we remember what we've already been forgiven of so we can forgive them of the same. We need reminded of who we are. Because so often we begin to feel so good about ourselves. Well, I've never heard anyone like that. I've never sinned in that way. But in reality, before a holy God, we're all guilty of sin, which is deserving of eternal death in a literal hell. So Paul needed to remind remind them of who they were. Remind them. Remember who we were. Number four, remember what changed us. Remember what changed us. Verse four, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Remember, you got to remember what changed you. This is who you were. This is what you were. But remember what changed us. It's the gospel. I love this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. But when? But when? It reminds me of another passage in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work of the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, There it is again. We all once lived this way in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We're saved by grace. We've got to remember what changed us, church. He's like, remind them what changed you. The goodness and loving kindness of God appeared in the personal work of Jesus Christ. His perfect life lived for me. His substitutionary death died for me. He rose in victory over Satan, sin, hell, and death for me. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. That's it. You've got to remember what changed you. If you were a Christian, you are not who you used to be. The old has passed, the new has come. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. We've been talking about that. Grace that saves you is grace that changes you. Faith that saves you is faith that changes you. Remember what changed you. It's not by works. He says it right here in Titus 5. We're not, he saved us, not by works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. It reminds me of a passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 64 says this, we have all become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Some translations say a filthy rag. Now, I don't want to be too graphic, but in the original language, we just do that for a moment. In the original language, it would have been, when it says the polluted garment, it would have meant something that was polluted by a woman's menstrual cycle. And so what Paul literally says here is our works of self-righteousness to try to atone for our own sin, to appease the wrath of God, is like that, a polluted garment. We all get the drift. We all get it. I don't need any more. Right? No. Everybody's like, please stop. But it's his mercy, verse 5. But according to his own mercy, by his own mercy, for the washing and regeneration of the renewal of the Holy Spirit, Regeneration, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, the moment of salvation, He indwells us. And He regenerates us, He renews us. What does, mean? what does it mean? It makes us new. We're not who we were. And so as we are being conformed to the image of Christ, because that's God's will for our life, to be conformed to the image of Christ, He's renewing us. But remember what changed you. It's the gospel. It's being indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, where you're regenerated, where you're renewed, where you're being made new. Only those who have been made new are saved. He goes on in verse 7. Well, he says at verse, the end of verse 5 about the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out for us on us so richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, so that being justified by his grace. Justified. It's a word we've talked about a lot. Justified. It's a legal term. Where God declares a believer who was a sinner righteous because of what Christ has done for them. It's where he declares, like, when we stand before God in and of ourselves, we stand in our own sin. But when, by faith, we put our trust In the grace of God, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, at that moment, God justifies us. And he gives to us the righteousness of Christ. So now that we stand there, we stand before him in Christ's righteousness, imputed, given to us. Not by works that I've done, not by works that you've done, but by whose works? Christ's works. We stand there. It's like, remember. Remember these things. And he goes on in verse 7, he says, that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What is an heir? Someone who receives something, an inheritance, even though they've done nothing for it. I love that story. Did you guys ever hear, you guys know who Shaquille O'Neal is, right? He has like a lot of money. I remember the story one time, one of his kids saying to him, like, Dad, we're rich. And he's like, no, I'm rich. You guys aren't, I am. But an heir, we are heirs. Scripture says we are co-heirs with Christ. Remember what changes the grace of God. The Holy Spirit indwelling us, renewing us, regenerating us. And because of that, we are justified, and now we are heirs. According to, might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We're heirs. We're not in our own righteousness, but we're in Christ's righteousness. Now all the, the things... Of God in heaven are ours for eternity. Need to be reminded of that, church. When things get difficult, when life seems hard, when it just doesn't seem worth it, remember, remember this. Paul's like, remind them of this. They're heirs according to the hope of the promise. So remember to be submissive to authorities, remember proper behavior. Remember who you were, and remember what changed you. And when we remember what God has done for us, caused us to be heirs, it should cause us to worship. Romans eight seventeen says, "If children of God, then heirs; heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ." Remember that, church. Remember that today. Remember, because Christ came, and His great love for us died for us, lived the life we were intended to live died the death we were intended to die, rose victorious over Satan's in hell, and death for us, so that we might be heirs with him. So this morning as we go to take communion, I want you to look at these elements. Would you just look at them this morning for a moment? And remember Christ's body broken for you and his blood shed for you so that you might be an heir of Christ. If we're children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That means I've been adopted into the family of God. He is my father and he has an incredible inheritance waiting for us. Remember that, church. Remember. Last minute reminders. We need reminded of these things often. And we need reminded that it's God's blood, Christ's body broken for us, his blood shed for us that allows us to be adopted into the family of God. But communion is for Christians. It is for those who have put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. But scripture says it. If you take communion in an unworthy manner, you will eat and drink judgment upon yourself. And certainly, taking communion as a non-Christian would be a way you would do that. And we don't want that for you. There's no judgment here. We just ask that if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you receive the elements when you come in the door, just take them back, drop them in the tray, throw them in the trash. It's fine. There's no judgment. but We don't want you to eat and drink judgment upon yourself. Scripture also says that as a Christian, you can take communion in an unworthy manner and eat and drink judgment upon yourself. How would we do that? By living in willful, unrepentant sin. Now, here's the thing. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We sin regularly. But what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians is when we live in willful, unrepentant sin. And if you're a Christian this morning, but you know you're living in willful, unrepentant sin, I would just humbly ask you to not take communion. To repent of your sin and come back next week and take communion. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. He said, take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it as often as you do in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for the reminder of what you've done for us. And we remember. Thank you for the gospel that changes us. Father, by your spirit, would you empower us to be submissive? That proper behavior? Continue to remind us of who you, who we were and how you've changed us help us to remember the gospel of Jesus Christ that has changed us. For your glory, for our joy, in Christ's name, amen. You guys have a great week. Remember, we have a mission, and above all, put on love.